on the Spencer's of Pez, poking out at the cons, Renaissance Fest, watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie, <laughs> sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. Listen up, fanboys! It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here's your host, a man who's waited patiently for this to happen, Derek McCaw. Thank you, love. This is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com. Still hanging on to consciousness. We are podcasting from an undisclosed location in Lon Lopez's safe house. One of what is it? Thirty-two now safe houses you have. Uh, I'm not all quite the Bay sure, Area. but uh, that's in hexadecimal, by the way. We should also. That's a little too much for me. Yeah. We should also briefly explain the the weirdness of the cameras and the setups. We're actually doing a test run for our uh, feature on MoreOnLife.com, or actually on More on Life, the channel. So if you guys are seeing this. Out of the courtesy, comfort, courtesy, comfort of your own home. But hopefully there'll be courtesy involved. Yeah, maybe. And you're going, what is this? Not if it's your home, but we should else's. say that it is the Fanboy Planet podcast, and we do this every we're going, week. We're going. Vodcast. I thought we were supposed to get makeup before we went. No, 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 we have none of the amenities at all. So uh, that's later you know, when yes. we turn you loose on the on the streets. Exactly. Um, so, anyways, welcome so, to the show. Right, and there we go. Uh, that person who was explaining all that. Is the fabulous announcer and vodcast producer Lon Lopez? Hi. Mm-hmm. And across from me is well, actually to my left is the empty chair <laughs> Just that recently vacated. Belonged one. to Nate Costa, who uh, was going to be here, but uh, I don't have I don't have its camera on. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. that would have been a funny bit. Oh, he, he set his mic his stuff up to make it look like he had just been disappeared. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, he had to leave uh, before we could get this going. So we, we apologize to Nate. Across from me, podcast producer, Moral Compass, and guy with an iPad. That's yeah. It says that on my business card. Rick Brett Snyder. I know. You're, yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. So we got some comics news to talk about. Uh, a little bit of movie news, a little bit of TV. I think we're going to focus on comics because uh, a lot of comics. Uh, the sun is setting. We may uh, we may be a little shorter tonight, but, but I think that would work well with the vodcast idea to uh, test run and see if vodcast. How, I like that. That's how good. much how much content can we fit in? What do we say? We're shooting for like a half an hour on that part, the video part. Uh, probably yeah, we're about twenty eight minutes or okay. so. So okay. yeah. All right. So. Um, First of all, of course, we are podcasting on uh, May 2nd, which means that Saturday, May 5th, is the first Saturday of May, which is annually Cinco de Mayo. Ooh, oh, that's two major holidays colliding because it's really the holiday major. the rest of us live for. Free comic book day. Yes. So you, that's the day. I don't know if Rick's going to get this podcast up before on May 4th. I'll probably get this up tomorrow. Okay. In which case, you can listen, you can go to your local comics, comic shop, find comicshoplocator.com, go to your local comics. I know a lot of libraries participate as well, and get your, uh, get your, uh, your fill of free comics. And a lot of the stores have signings and activities for the kids, balloons, stormtroopers from Star Wars. Of you course, don't get to take the stormtroopers home, though. No, you don't. No. You don't want to, Rick. Well, it depends on how lonely you are. Really? Yeah. The only stormtrooper I know is Michelle. 
I rest my case. Yeah, uh, as do I. So uh, there's a lot of great uh, events happening at a comic book store near you. I, I don't know if this is U.S. only. It would be straight in the eye when you said near you. Near you. Exactly. I don't know. Near Lawn, then. Um, anyway, uh, so we know that DC is releasing a book that is uh, uh, that is a New 52 related with a short story that will be launching this, what would you call that, the Trinity War? Well, I suspect it's going to get into the Trinity War, but initially no, no, it's no. just talking about it's introducing Pandora, the mystery character that showed up in the first... In, Throughout Flashpoint. And was in Justice League number six. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, and Marvel is doing uh, something involved. <laughs> I'm a little tired. I was about to say the Voltron initiative, but it's the <laughs> Ultron. That does sound awesome. Yeah. Marvel. I love Voltron. I know. <laughs> Avengers I know. versus Voltron. Ah, no. An Ultron. AV Club. An Ultron uh, event. A big crossover. Uh, this is going to get the, the For, for our listeners, at, viewers at home, could you tell them who or what is Ultron? Ultron would be the uh, android, the evil android, super intelligent, super powerful, originally created by Hank Pym to serve the Avengers. The one that I theorize is what's going on with Jarvis in the Iron Man and now Avengers film, mm-hmm. uh, voiced by Paul Bettany. I would just, I'm still laying money that eventually that character is going to turn into Ultron because Say it's, what? it's an artificial intelligence and Paul Bettany is too well-known an actor would be a cool movie to just be a voiceover. I think that would be logical. It, that's the next so logical step. So Jarvis is going to become Ultron. But Jarvis isn't human in the movies. But that just seems so weird because they're, well, they're going to call him Jarvtron. No, they'll just call him Ultron. They'll change his name to Ultron. It'll be his uh, code name. He'll be, he'll be appearing for a while as Ultron but still Jarvis and the Avengers will f- eventually figure it out. How will they know what... Jarvis looks like, or they'll just go by his voice, or I. Well, no, I'm saying Jarvis. Uh, Jarvis doesn't look like anything because he he is not. He's a disembodied a person. He's an artificial intelligence okay. that okay. runs Tony Stark's life. All right, that's I thought that was Pepper twist. Potts. That's that's true too. Okay, uh, there's two. They fight, and that's what happens. It becomes a Pepper Potts versus Ultron throwdown Slap in Avengers fest. Five. Uh, okay, so yes. Uh, and then we got that. And then uh, in two weeks, we have locally here in San Jose the Big Wow Comic Fest. Wow. Yeah. Some big guests, though. Jim Lee is coming. So that's one of the COOs, CCOs, co-publisher. Co-publisher. Creative That's probably one of the bigger bigger guests they've had. I was kind of thinking about I was trying to think about that. I think Jim Lee maybe that may, as far as like Sergio Gronis has been at the. Sergio has been there every year. And, and I'm not saying Sergio Aragonis is not a, a big guest, but he is, does not have the mainstream recognition. Didn't Neil Adams show up in one of them? I don't remember. He may have. Okay. But uh, Jim Lee right now rides high on a huge amount of of mainstream recognition. Would you rather spend a half an hour talking to Jim Lee or, or uh, Neil Adams? Jim Lee. Really? Okay. I think Neil Adams might be crazy. I respect him. But I think he might be crazy. I talked to him for about 10 minutes at Comic-Con. He was I rest guy. my case. Uh, but so. doesn't Jim Lee get more of the chicks? Is that what it's about? Yeah. <laughs> Are you looking for tips? No, I was and just... Frank just, Cho is going to be there. Uh, but Frank Cho has been there before. Yeah. Uh, I, Sergio Aragonis is going to be there. In fact, I think this may be Sergio Aragonis' first... Uh, appearance in months because he had back trouble. He'd been hospitalized, oh. and so he's been out. Of I the heard he had a bacchiotomy. Was that true? No, no, no. Oh, okay. That was. Uh, 
I was going to go for a bad joke, but then I realized I'm on video, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to yes. now. Mm-hmm. There's no denying it was me saying it. Mm. Mm. Right. Mm. Mm. So, anyway, we look forward to that. It's San Jose Convention Center on May 19th and 20th. And it's a fun show. It's it's not very expensive to go to. You can pretty much do it in a day. That's I. If you're a local guy or gal, you should go. Yeah, and it's run by Steve Wyatt, uh, who runs a comic shop in Bakersfield. And then it's now kind of it seems that uh, our friend Anthony Liano has kind of bought into it a little bit uh, and has moved. He had a comic shop in Sacramento, and now he's opening one in San Leandro. Hmm. Uh, so I guess he's relocated. Did he put his. one in uh, Dublin or Berkeley? Cupertino or San Jose? No, that would be Shane Company. Oh, right. Yes. Uh, Got it. I always get those confused. I, yeah. I don't... I'm not following you. you well, you're, you're on now. This <laughs> is making good video. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, so we're looking forward to those, and at those you can, of course, find dealers who would sell you things like the comics that came out this week. So let's talk a little bit about comics this week. We should. We should. Uh, we should. We should. Uh, two. Do you have these comics? Because now you can hold them up and show them to the folks at home. Actually, Lon, I do. The first one, uh, because there's been several returns this week of old universes, and the first one will be Earth 2. Not the Steven Spielberg television series on NBC. Okay, now you guys are just mugging. So uh, it's okay. You started it. Uh, uh-huh. But actually, Earth 2 would be the revival of the, con- of the multiverse concept Ian, oh, thank you. Rick Hells up. Wait, go ahead, camera. Rick. Do it again, Rick. So there we go. You can go both oh, ways. Oh, and then back to Derek. Okay. Right. You great. have to read them in this order Earth 2 and then World's Finest, although what it looks like if you just walk in is his Huntress Power Girl. But uh, it is World's Finest. The kind of World's Finest spins off of Earth 2. A revival of the concept of a parallel Earth in which there's a Justice Society, not a Justice League. What's, what's the difference? Okay. Well, originally. The Justice Society would be uh, the characters that were f- uh, that formed uh, that were created in 1939 and 1940. But but by calling them a society, does that make them more sophisticated? Yeah, they drink tea every day with the pink. Well, but I, I think the thing is, it was supposed to be like this polite social club, this concept, and it was very groundbreaking. They're the first time outside of. I mean, I would argue that the Knights of the Round Table was the first superhero team up. Uh, especially if you read Le Mort d'Arthur, that um, mm-hmm. they all have superpowers. But uh, actually, but this is the first time that it occurred to a comic book company to bring their characters together into one book, All Star Comics, All Star Number Three. And they were the Justice Society. They tried to recapture mm-hmm. that in the last run of, of Justice Society, where they weren't always there looking to fight evil. Right. Well, and then that was more of a support they, group. They had become this thing where it was the idea was to train the next generation because yeah. a lot of those heroes were older. They'd survived from World War II, lived forward. And then what happened, of course, was comics. Superheroes had died out in popularity in the 50s, and so most of those characters stopped being published, and then DC revived the character names with different characters under them, and that became the Justice League, Ah. with the exception of three characters, Batman, actually I should say five, Aquaman, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Green Arrow, uh, characters that never stopped being published. And didn't change secret identities because they didn't become new characters. Uh, so now, in the in the wake of Infinite Crisis and Flashpoint, and now we're in the New Fifty Two, we have to bring back a new Justice Society. But they're taking a very different tack. Now, originally they were characters that had survived from World War Two, so they were very old, and they were finding increasingly ridiculous justifications to explain how people that had fought in World War Two were still alive. 
and vibrant enough to fight crime in their... Let me guess. Infinity Serum for all of them? Uh, they would occasionally get magically rejuvenated. Ooh. Yeah. Like in, uh, like in Cocoon. Yes. Nice. In fact, it was by watching Cocoon they got oh. rejuvenated. Yeah. Excellent. In this case, however, uh, James Robinson writes of, an Earth, of a parallel Earth where um, at first the only superheroes were Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. And then now the characters that will become Green Lantern, The Flash, they have the familiar, if you are a fan of Justice Society, the familiar secret identities. But they are just making their first, gaining their powers and making their first appearances now with very different origins. And I thought I was, I was going to dislike this especially seeing Jay Garrick back in college but then I thought if he's keeping all the things about Jay, about Jay Garrick from 1940 uh-huh. his first appearance in uh, was a Flash Comics it was Flash Comics and uh, Jay Garrick was the, the, the Silver Age the, the original Age, Flash? the Golden Age Flash right he's technically the original though right? he's the original so okay. with Mercury's helmet Yes. Right, right, right. And okay. so now he's got a different origin, but as a character, I thought, again, if you place that character appearing for the first time with the same background in 2012 as a young man, James Robinson's portrayal of Jay Garrick makes sense. Hmm. It's uh, Though the origin's going to be different because, let's face it, the original origin really is silly. Are you familiar with it, Lon? May I reenact? The original... Jay Garrick is a graduate student in chemistry at college... And he is doing experiments with hard water, and he takes a smoke break and knocks over a beaker, and the fumes knock him unconscious. And when he wakes up, he has the powers of super speed. So what you're saying, though, is that smoking is good for you and will give you superpowers? Uh, that is exactly what I'm saying, Long. Oh, okay, good. So James so. Robinson's given him a different, different origin. Alan Scott, who is, uh, was the Golden Age Green Lantern... Uh, again, James Robinson has taken what Alan Scott became, which was he was originally a train engineer uh, and then discovered the Magic Lantern in this, he, and then eventually became a broadcaster. He owned, a, he owned a, a network in Gotham City, and people forget that, that he was actually fighting crime in the same city as Batman, and now he is, uh, he is already, before he's become Green Lantern, this broadcasting magnet. And so uh, these are making it is making more so it's sense. Kind of like than I the Green Hornet, yeah, making more sense than I thought it would. And then Power Girl and the Huntress, which have been running around in the mainstream DCU New Fifty Two books. Mm-hmm. Power Girl Karen Starr showed up in Mister Terrific, revealed to be actually then exiles from Earth Two, who are just making the best they can in the regular. In, in, I don't know if they're going to call it Earth One or not. So that's pretty interesting. I, <coughs> I, I liked it better than I thought. I haven't read World's Finest yet, but I really liked Earth 2 better than I thought. And it's with art by Nicholas Scott, who is – she is great. The one thing great I liked artist. about the, the World's Finest is there's some interesting nods to the pre-Flashpoint universe in the way they talk about the you – know, I'm want i not going to spoil well, it. Well, I think those things are going to happen, especially if James Rob- – did James Robinson write uh, World's Finest? Uh, as poor as Paul Levitz. Yeah. I think it might be Paul Levitz. Um, these are two writers that are, are doing their best to ignore the New 52 because James Robinson is also writing The Shade, which has used New 52 version of versions of characters, but clearly is only paying attention to the Starman, Starman. continuity written yeah. by James Robinson, which you can get in the Starman Omnibus. Great books. you got to get them. Um, 
and those involve the World War II heroes. There's no doubt that, but we know that. In Legion, Would you have it any other way? No. Not they, but they mentioned in Legion of Superheroes, there is a flashpoint wall that things can be undone if they need to be, you know, so. Flashpoint firewall. Because it's like a network. No, they didn't call it a firewall. They called it something the, else. I thought they called it a firewall. No, it wasn't you, the breach. You want it to be. No, okay. it wasn't the breach oh, okay. either. Um, and then Valiant, the Valiant Universe made a return this week. So Valiant being a company that with oh, Return of Man of War. With Exo Man of War. The Valiant, uh, the Valiant publishing company. Was, was that the mid-90s? Uh, was that when Valiant came out or early 90s? Early 90s, I think. Uh, it was a company that had purchased some of the gold key properties like Dr. Solar mm-hmm. and uh, Turok, Son of Stone. Yes. And Magnus, Robot Fighter. Yes. And Jim Shooter was their editor-in-chief and chief writer. And uh, But then he had spun off a, a variety of other concepts that were new the Valiant Universe, Harbinger being one, an Exo Man of War, Archer and Armstrong, Eternal Warrior, Bloodshot, Bloodshot, uh, who is rumored to be uh, having been a uh, character purchased for uh, movie hmm. adaptation. So, and that would be one that would stand up. Nanites. And Nanites. No! Yes, and no Shadow Nanites. Man. And Shadow Man. So, yeah. I'm not sure who's actually behind the Valiant revival. I know Jim Shooter doesn't have anything to do with it. But uh, but we do see that uh, the the writer of this you have to remind me of the name Venditti Roberto Robert Venditti Venditti who wrote uh, the Surrogates, which was made into a yeah. film starring Bruce Willis, uh, an okay movie, not bad, uh, actually not. a better movie than I thought it was going to yeah. be, but a better graphic novel or yeah. a better individual series because it's two graphic novels, two graphic novels, but they, I think they were published as serial individual issues. Yes, they were. Um, so good writer there. Uh, reviving Exo Man of War, and you've read that, so yeah, tell that us a one. Little bit about uh, that. Actually, I and I did buy and love all the Valiant titles, uh, some more than others. And Exo Man of War was one that kind of started off really strong for me, and then it kind of died out. It was kind of, it was a little bit too too much of like an organic Iron Man character. Right. What if Tony Stark were a barbarian? It, it made it interesting because he was a man at a time. He was this uh, Visigoth who t- who got the suit from aliens, and then. Was buried, I think, uh, for ages and kept alive by I, the I suit. I don't remember. I know I had them all. I'm but pretty sure that was the way it happened. Now, we haven't even gotten close to the completion of the origin. He doesn't have the suit yet. But this was actually a really interesting book to read from the standpoint of the Roman versus Visigoth fighting that went on and the, mm-hmm. the tribes. And there's a spread page where you see the Roman legions all stacked up and orderly and the Visigoths coming down the cliff just getting massacred because they're a ma- they're not so a modern like army. So it's kind of like 300 then, it, right? It's, it, is, it, it is a book that is, is standing on its own regardless of the superhero aspect of it. It kept my attention. I really have high hopes well, for it. Well, that's good. And then we know that Harbinger is coming, and that's written by our friend Josh Dysart. And there's a sneak preview of Harbinger in the back of XO about seven or eight pages, and uh, it looks pretty cool. Uh, I, it's the kind of smart dialogue that I expect from uh, Mr. Dysart, and I'm actually pretty pumped about that one, too. And I just want to take a little station identification break here and remind everybody that they're watching the Fanboy Planet podcast, uh, that they can find it. In case you tuned in In late. case you tuned in late, you can find it, and I'll try to put a little scroll at the bottom, but uh, www.fanboyplanet.com. And also, too, where can you get this great geek knowledge anywhere else, really, than on Fanboy Planet. Rick, show them, show them the thing. There you go. That's true. There it is, the, the Summer of Valiant. Uh, yeah, you'd actually have to leave your mother's basement to go out and talk stop. to people. Stop. We, we are not those kinds of people anymore. <laughs> 
We're in California. Nobody has a basement. Except, You're wearing a suit. Except for Lon's mother actually does have a basement. We have a kick-ass basement. You do have a yes. kick-ass basement. We're about 500 feet beneath the surface of the earth. So it this, does feel that this way. This does qualify as a basement. Sh- don't, 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 tell, oh. don't talk about the safe house. Rick. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Our enemies will now know. That we're 500 feet beneath the surface. Shut the up. Okay. Uh, so... Uh-oh. I'm actually training an army of mole men. <laughs> All right. Uh, and, and the 12 finished up last week, and we didn't get a chance to talk about that. So, And Lon, uh, has a, Lon, Lon got, got really into this after reading the first trades. He's read the first six issues, so we don't want to spoil this. But it was too, it's too big an event that we but talked can you about. At le- it's finished, though, right? It, it is just finished. finished last week. Can yeah. you at least express your yes. likes or dislikes of it. I felt it was very satisfying. However, it has, as a story, had lost momentum to me because, because of, the of the huge gap. Yeah. And so I had tried to pull to hold those issues out so I could reread and I just gave up like trying to find them Yeah. So in my collection. So I just it's one that when the trade comes out, I will, I will purchase the whole thing. And I, I anticipated that reaction so i actually and mine are off in long boxes somewhere in my garage so i right. no way of finding those so i went ahead and bought all 12 issues digital and i read them all pretty much in like two or three sittings mm-hmm. um and so it didn't lose it for me okay. i re i reinvested myself in that in that great story because i mean we had lon really gushing over the graphic novel when he read it yeah when they put it together in the trade um I was really impressed. You guys have been talking it up for, what, two years, yeah. three years? <laughs> yeah. And they finally released the first six issues. And then, yeah, I loved it. And yeah, the, so The characters are, are super, I mean, the characters are super retro, but super cool. The idea that, you know, all these kind of flawed people who put on suits and went off and fought Hitler and now they're alive and are, what would it be like? And Does it wasn't it, sappy or, or crazy or anything. It for was really people who haven't grounded. read it, though, would you... Would, you, would it have kind of a Watchmen type feel to it you? Definitely, or? It's well, because you know, right. again, it was started. It started in the midst of the Marvel event called Civil War, where mm. superheroes had to register. That's uh, with right, the because it was in canon, right? It, it was, was in canon. Okay. Yeah. It seems to have fallen a little bit out just because of all the time it has taken to finish up. But there was still reference to it. There was actually there's three references to the Civil War and and registration, and then there's a picture of Cap, and those are the things that I would actually wish they had not put in it because I would say this comes close to being Marvel's Watchmen. Um, that that you have a a, a team dynamic, a mystery. Um, it's and, and by that it seems a little derivative, but the storyline is, is very different than than it is in Watchmen. It is, and it, and it does explore more that concept of the world out of time, the mm-hmm. people out of time. Yep, uh, and not so just I, the forgotten hero, but right, right. Um, and so that I really, I, I really enjoyed. I love Chris Weston's artwork. Oh yeah, I have been a fan. Uh, he did the Dan Dare with Garth Ennis. Loved that. What what a what a crazy decision to, to to have some of those expressions like uh, uh what was his name um mental not mentalo uh, uh that would be watchman um no no, no mastermind excello. mastermind excello his face is always screwed up painfully because but there's he's, a reason because he's always yeah, getting but we can't but we can't say it I mean, don't because spoil that, because that's the 12th issue revelation with uh, mastermind excello's powers right right everybody at home 500 feet beneath the train station, Grand Central Station in New York City. 
and yet somehow still broadcast out of San Jose. It's the ghost train. Shh. I can feel it in my bones. Okay. Oh. It's frightening. Anyway, um, yeah, but there's a reason for that. And yeah, then yeah. I, and, and it is, I remember looking at the sketches, like, uh, now, it's one of those few things, an identity crisis like that, like a Rags Morales book, I love, I got identity crisis for the same reason to see those extra pages with the sketches, and I rarely care about that kind of stuff. I believe in just, especially with comics, usually just it's reading the, the story. Yeah. But when an artist is that good and has put so much thought into it, and the 12 is cast, I mean, that really is, you know, there's a character, The Witness, who is kind of a James Cagney, if James, a, a lesser, an uglier version of James Cagney. <laughs> he does have a bulbous forehead. Yeah, but I mean, and and that's and that's one of the things. And then the character that's the the laughing mask. Yeah, is you know ugly it's, and puts it on, and, and, and he's kind of a Rorschach. Uh, you know, kind of character. Um, and the, the the was it the flame? Was that what the name of the character? Yeah. The, or the fiery hand or something like that? Um, I was like the flame. Yeah, the fiery. No, he was the fiery mask. Fiery mask. It was okay. yeah, the fiery mask. Um, and his fate, like everybody's fate, makes sense. Yeah. And so I, I just it's everyone's nice fate. fate. Yes. Oh. Everyone has a fate. Even you have one. Writing through the whole thing, crisp Top and notch. consistent. Especially when you consider those last three issues, how long it took for them to come out. The art is just like it's like one. Artist one sitting, everything is, and he never gets exhausted. It never lets up. It's always perfectly composed. Wonderful art. Backgrounds. We don't have a copy of it here to uh, show. To Nate, had a, Nate had a copy Nate had with him. At home, do we? And he had to leave. And I should mention, though, I didn't. Write, I just want to put it out there that uh, finally a long-awaited book uh, uh, came out. Yes. And I've seen some of the interior pages uh, when they were actually raw art. We did this. Uh, I was on a panel for this. Um, what at WonderCon two years ago? Yep. Belagosi's Tales from the Grave, issue number two, um, featuring a cover by Rick Baker. I like the fact you're holding that up so that they can see that face next to your next face. Next to your face. To yeah. compare and contrast. Ah. <laughs> is that is that an evil Popeye? Is it that is. what that it's, is? It's called <laughs> Strange to the Finish. Oh, he's strange to the finish because yes. he yes, but where the eye will the beat you with other, spinach. Yes, I don't know. okay. So it's a Rick Baker, uh, the makeup artist, the Oscar-winning makeup artist, designed this cover, and uh, it's got you know great old like creepy and eerie uh, horror stories in it. Um, but um, oh, the first issue is fabulous. I'm looking forward to this one. No, you know, I and when I know these guys. I, I did not participate in the second issue. But what I f- feel strongly about it is, yes, I wish it would come out a little more often, but you get – it's a solid book for four ninety nine. Yeah. It's a really, really, really solid book, especially – It's like know, square bound. Yes. If you yeah. like mo- uh, mo- you know, the anthology horror books, I really honestly – because I've read the creepy revival from Dark Horse and I like it, mm-hmm. but I can honestly say I like uh, the Monsterverse book better. Can I throw something in just off the cuff? I finally picked up a copy of the Eerie collection of Hunter. Did you ever read those? No, I didn't. So Eerie was Eerie. Wait, wait, is that Hunter with uh, Fred Dreyer? Did they do a comic on that? No, it's about it's it's a post-apocalyptic thing. Um, And I'm hoping that Eerie will they'll do this with more. But Eerie was the anthology, not anthology book. They had recurring characters: um, Dracon, the Mystic, uh, Rook, the Time Traveler. And, you mean from uh, Warren Publishing? From Warren right. pu- Publishing, Erie. 
Um, and they've they've collected a volume of just the Hunter and Hunter Two stories. Right, but what I want to say is, sorry, Warren was the publisher, and now it's Dark Horse that's doing that's reviving right. Eerie and Creepy. So I don't want to. Right, miss but these are, these are the ones that were published under right. Warren, I not the new I not the new ones that you were mentioning okay. coming forward. Okay, and um, those are those were I, boy, I grew up on those on going in there and getting, and I didn't realize getting those out of the drugstores and stuff. I didn't realize that they kept those black and white specifically so they didn't have to adhere to the comics code. Oh, I, I knew that. I didn't oh, know that. So, like, they could do blood and no one they were red. They, no, they were a magazine. Yeah. So if they were in black and white, they were a magazine, not a comic book, and therefore did not have to follow oh. the code. Now, I didn't. I never know that until sneaky, I read the uh, sis. Which is why Marvel launched all those things. Like, there's two Savage Dracula, Sword. and then there was Dracula Lives, so they could do harder core yep. horror stories with Dracula in a black and white format. And that was controversial a few years ago when they did the Marvel Spotlights. When they got to those parts, to the to the Dracula Live stuff, mm-hmm. they actually toned down the art for reprint. Right, because they put vapor instead of the in front of the naked women. And Let's stuff. just say it, nipples. Yes, they had vapor covering nipples. Oh, yeah, put, I thought you were putting nipples in front of it didn't make any sense. Vapor, yeah. No, that would be weird if they would put nipples in front of nipples. Yeah. Well, that's a great awesome story guys and uh <laughs> for our listeners on the line uh we're just gonna take a br- not a pause but i just want to we're doing the show here so we're i think we're just about what 20 something minutes 28 minutes 45 seconds. so if you want to hear the rest of this conversation go online www.fanboyplanet.com those of you that are already listening at home just keep listening uh but that wraps up this edition of the Fanboy Planet podcast you, you'd- you don't have to listen to us at home. You could be jogging right now. Or in your car, but stuck if you in like, traffic. If you like this kind of intelligent, you know, fanboy geek exchange. Or hope that eventually we become what Lon just described. Either way, we'll do that. Right. But anyways, thanks for watching, guys. Uh, we'll check you next week. Those of you listening, just keep listening. We're going to keep talking. Bye. Okay. Um, and one last comic that I wanted to talk about was just because I... Uh, have been really uh, impressed by the, uh, this is going to sound weird, wild variation in tone of The Goon ah. uh, lately. And uh, for the first time, I've enjoyed The Goon. It's like, in, I don't know, the issues are in the 40s somewhere. Is that published on a regular schedule or is it just whenever uh, it, they come it out? It stopped for a while okay. uh, while he did the Billy the Kid old-time oddities. Okay, because uh, I've only been buying the trade, so I Okay, uh, it stopped for a while. But, I mean, you know, it started off as this really... Kind of, it was very. It's always been funny. This, uh, you know, this guy who's a mob enforcer, who's the son of a carny, uh, taking on zombies, and it's always had a wild tone. And, and uh, in a town where zombies are just yeah. And David Fincher like is problem. looking to create the CG animated. Yeah, film. what's what's going on They're with still the cartoon on it with Clancy Brown and Paul Giamatti? Um, and then he took a break, and then he, he did a graphic novel, The Mystery of Chinatown, that suddenly stopped being funny. It was like how the goon got scarred. Mm. And it's actually a tragic story. And I was like, wow, Eric Powell, because I think of all this, I haven't mentioned that's who the creator is. Eric Powell writes and draws this all himself. Beautiful artwork. Reminds me a lot of Wally Wood. Mm-hmm. And um, he shifted in tone, and suddenly this graphic novel wasn't funny. And it was a graphic novel. It was a hardbound, and that's how you found it. It's, it's separate out. And then two months ago, he wrote a story so cool, I actually finally contacted Powell just to say, to thank him, um, because he wrote the story of the goon's mother. 
Wow. And beca- and dedicated to his grandmother who had passed away in 2011. And just like, ah, uh, the last panel wrapped up everything you've ever felt about someone you've loved, who, you know, really loved dying. Mm. And it was such a perfect eulogy in the goon's typically terse way and that I had to write to Eric Powell and say, well, you just summed up, because I lost my grandmother in 2011, when you summed up exactly how I feel. And Powell actually wrote back and said, you know, it seems like a lot of people have been surprisingly moved by the goon. I'm like, yeah, mm. I would not have expected to be that moved by it. Yeah. Um, and then this last, last week, uh, the goon came out with uh, a reboot since he was making fun of New 52 – Oh. And it says, so it's number one, we have to be, uh, he has to put the coon in a costume and <laughs> with, a, <laughs> with a sidekick. And every two pages, his origin gets rewritten. And oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> and then the whole thing was a screed about how superheroes, he says, I like superheroes. He did this great Escape from Bizarro World for Super, Superman a, co- a couple of years ago for DC. And he says, look, DC and Marvel have given me some great work. But they didn't make me. The goon made me. Sure. But, you know, this is it pointed out in the in the top, I think it's 200 uh, comic books best selling each month. Like something like only 12 of them are not DC and Marvel superhero books. So, you know, he's just saying if we're talking about it as a medium that's supposed to support a lot of different things, and he makes the point is like, where's our Harry Potter? If Harry Potter had started as a comic book. You would be struggling to get ten thousand readers a month, and I thought it was maybe a specious argument, but an interesting one. Yeah. And so here he was, you know, what all these comic book, the, the big two were constantly doing. And yeah, it's kind of funny because the comics still have a stigma that prevents them from that kind of acceptance. Whereas now, all of a sudden, it's fine to read young adult novels. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know. But I think and, and I think Lon would have appreciated that on the front splash page of this is also a dedication to his mother who said this is exactly what Ma always told me to do except for the gay part. <laughs> <laughs> and so I spent the whole issue reading going, okay, what's he going to do? It's going to be awful. It's going to be horrible. This is still in the goon? This is still in the goon. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, because his mom says, if you want to be, you know, clearly his mom was telling him, do a superhero, this this weird goon thing. <laughs> but the goon is so utterly unique, except he reminds me a lot of Popeye, if Popeye were oh, sure. realistic. You yeah. know, there's just, there's clearly a lot of influences that come out, and the goon is just, it's just a great book. So I wanted to, I wanted to call attention to it, because, again, it's just one that I have never been let down by an issue of it. I have sometimes felt somehow wrong for finding it funny. But um, but it's still it's brutal. It's a brutally <laughs> funny book. Yeah. And so and then when it gets down to the action, I mean, they're, they're the characters' are, motivations are not always uh, on the side of the angels. No, no, no. But 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 there have been that the character that was called the Vulture um, was the zombie. Um, I can't remember what if he'd been a preacher, uh, uh, but who felt like he was trying to atone, so he was fighting other zombies. Uh, and it was like it was really, you know, this tragic thing. And then two, uh, three issues ago, that he just did a, a straight up Tales from the Crypt ghost story thing. The, the goon sort of just passed through, and it was again really well done. And he researched it; and it was based on historical fact. You say Wally Wood, that almost sounds more like uh, Will Eisner, you know? 
Well, yeah, but the it's, art style reminds me more of Wally Wood. Right. But, I, yeah, there's an Eisner, Eisner influence, too. too. Well, yeah. I mean, and I think he's won the Eisner a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, a few Comic-Cons ago, uh, when I was there with Greatest American Hero, uh, our booth was next to his, and I just kind of, kind of like went, huh, not even fit to touch that side <laughs> of the table. <laughs> you know, putting your finger. You had Bob Culp there, right? Yeah, but, you know, that, that was Bob God Culp. God rest his soul. God rest his soul. Yeah. Culp was Culp, and... Culp could talk to Eric Powell. I couldn't, you know, because Culp was Culp. Um, so, yeah, you know, those are some of the comics that I've had a chance to read and, and been into. Now, of course, this week is huge in comic fandom because the first of its kind, film-wise, uh, has been released. and we owe, Are we, we going to movies now? I think so. Okay. We have Lon Lopez to thank for this. Yeah, you're welcome, everyone out there. Yes. If you like the Avengers, send your cards and letters. To uh, sandpaper at fanboyplan.com. Thank you, thank you, Lon. And 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 uh, there was great uh, there was great weight to your story this week, which we published on Fanboy Planet, of your encounter with Kevin Feige and your pitch for an Avengers film, given weight by I'm, the actual photo of the business card that Kevin Feige gave you. I think true. the first clue you should have had, however, that he didn't want to talk to you, was how the phone number and, and email was blurred out. No, no, I did that. Oh, you did that. Yes. Oh, okay. I, I didn't want to just tears. I didn't want to just post his number. You so did the right thing, Lon. Okay. You did the right thing. So at least we saw what his business card might look like. It has uh, Spider-Man on it. It did. I don't know if it's still... I'll bet they're a little more complex. Well, and he, his, if you look at it, it does say vice president, senior vice president. He, I believe he's now the president of Marvel Studios, I right? think he is. I think he is, yeah. So um, I met him when he was just a wee lad. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so long But it's a I, good story, but it's also on moreonlife.com. That's right. Case. But, but <laughs> at Fanboy Planet, it's not blocked by your work server. Oh, we fixed that. It's all good. Did you? Yeah. We'll have to talk about that afterwards. Oh, yes. Okay. But but I will say that Derek did put nicer pictures on the article on Facebook. Derek Boy, can so. say that also corrected your grammar. So, yeah, but uh, nobody cares about that on More on Life. I so. want to believe that somewhere someone does. Nah. What okay. I do matters, Long. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, it does bring up, though, however, that Lon and I last night did get to see The Avengers. Or actually, in America now, officially... Marvel's The Avengers. That's on the title card. They added really? Marvel's to the top. Hmm. Whereas in, in the UK, it's uh, known as Avengers Assemble. Which is cool. I wish I would have rather had it as Avengers Assemble. That made sense because then you could actually call each movie sure. by a different title. Sure, like, sure, you know, sure. Or oh, like huh? Avengers, Avengers of Mars. The Avengers Infinity Gauntlet or you know whatever. <laughs> or the Avengers Civil War. Or the Avengers smack dab in the middle. Ultron Avengers. No, that's not right. Yeah, the Ultron or the Avengers versus the Masters of Evil. Oh, dude, I would totally go to that. Yeah. I, maybe okay. if Kevin Feige would call me back. I. It's not going to happen, Pitching Lon, my idea. He's know. just not that into you, Lon. No. I'm sorry. It sucks. <laughs> he's seeing other fanboys. Oh, Zach Penn. Yeah, I read Joss a, Whedon. Let's not let's not downplay Joss yeah. Whedon. Well, no, I read that he took Zach Penn's script and threw it out the window, and then uh, basically rewrote it himself. So, yes, and did uncredited rewriting on uh, Captain America too. So Joss, uh, Joss Whedon did. Joss Whedon on the fir- on Captain America: The First Avenger. Excellent. Which I think of the movies, that's the one that synced up the best. Captain America? Or? Yeah, Captain America. Oh, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, um, synced up with Avengers? With the Avengers, yeah. Possibly, yeah. Uh, We're not going to go into a full-blown no, review. Next because week after Rick's seen it, we can all sit down. And, and Nate, and Nate, Nate will have seen it, Plus, too. anybody that's listening to this does not don't want, want to know any now. spoilers no. or anything. I, I found it very satisfying. <laughs> yeah, you did. You clapped like a seal at the very end. I was scared. I was frightened. I just love that. Did tag. you go art art? I did not. He did, did, actually. I did bounce. He was like, <laughs> I bounced a beach ball on my nose. That's well, better. That was for the credit sequence. I did love that. I'm just saying. I loved that. And you frightened the woman who was frightening you next to you Well, then all that's night. just karma. Okay, good. Anyway. <laughs> Again, if you get in the VIP row, act like you belong there. there you I'm going to give my full review next week, but I still... Fanboys around the world are probably going to hate me, but I don't know if I've, I'm, like, loved it, loved it yet. You know what I mean? Like, I loved a lot of it, but I'm still... But, you know, I understand. I felt that way about Tim Burton's Batman. I still hmm. do feel that way about Tim Burton's hmm. Batman. There are scenes that I will skip over mm-hmm. on DVD, but I do love watching sections of it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I felt with the Avengers, I would agree, and I, and I hate making this kind of criticism because on one level I think it's kind of stupid to say because it is what it is. It feels like maybe 10 minutes shorter, maybe even 20 minutes shorter, not because uh, of anything other than it's just long. Okay. It's just a long film. It's two hours and 20, 20, 20 minutes. 20-something minutes, yeah. And, um, it's like Titanic. And it took some time getting started and yet I can't think of what I'd cut. And it did a good job of balancing Joss Whedon's sensibilities script-wise. And there are scenes that are definitely like, oh, yeah, that would fit uh, in a typical Joss Whedon project. There's, you know, that you can feel his influence, his work. But it also satisfied you had all the moments that I think someone wanting an Avengers film would say, well, I want that thing to happen. And it does. Mm-hmm, you yeah. know, so I think it gave... And a lot, and I talked about Edwards. The only, the only true criticism I can give is I'm not sure that someone who is not well versed in all these things would find it accessible. As if accessible you didn't as watch did. the uh, first five or six movies, would no. you get it? Well, I think you could skip Iron Man two. Somebody actually asked me. A friend of mine asked me today uh, if if he needed to go back and watch Iron Man 2 first because he hadn't seen that one. But he'd seen Thor and Captain America. And I said, well, Thor and Captain America felt more essential Mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. Things that happened in those movies spun directly in here. Mm -hmm. I don't think you needed to watch Incredible Hulk, though I still like that movie. But I think the Hulk is well known enough that when he first appears, you take for granted what his situation is. Um, Even though it very subtly was written to spin out of what happened in The Incredible Hulk. Um, but it's not necessary. The Black Widow was bobbled so badly in Iron Man 2, I don't think that she was properly introduced in that film or handled well. And Hawkeye was just kind of stuck in. Right, so basically Hawkeye is... Thor. Hawkeye is fully developed in Avengers, and Black Widow is essentially rebooted. Okay. And established, as even though she references having been in Iron Man 2... Not like that. That'd be very meta. <laughs> no, yeah, she kind of does say that. Remember that <laughs> last movie we were hanging out in, <laughs> where we totally it was it made no sense. So you know, Joss Whedon kind of starts her over and shows and and gives her the, the role. So considering how many characters he had to deal with and to juggle and to give fair time to, and that's why I say like, oh, it should have been shorter. It's like, no, I don't know what else you could have done with it. So I'm gonna. I, I understand where Lon's coming from. I feel very eager to go back and see it again, and I will. Hold. 
the Avengers train is coming. It's coming around the bend. It's shaking. I think given the right seat, the train I- actually relaxes me. I liked, I liked the train last week. It was kind of fun to have it. Right okay. Anyway, I do feel for all the characters you had to juggle um, and the concepts truly really that had to get in, that had to get introduced into that film, I all think right. he did a great well, job. Well, let's save it for next week. Yeah, we'll yeah. get we'll get we'll into go detail full on. We week. might even do like a whole podcast on it. That's crazy talk, man, but totally into it. Okay. Um, okay. And then TV. I don't know so, any so movie stuff. Quasi between comics and movies, we have uh, Geek and Sundry's latest. Uh, Dark Horse Motion Comic, which I'm pretty excited about, comes out this week. It's Concrete. Uh, or Concrete. Concrete, uh, which I'm, I'm hoping they're going to do Fragile Creature because it's a great story. Or I'm, But uh, it's, it's, it's a character that I think uh, there's no reason why more people can't love that, that storyline. I am still surprised that nobody has bothered. Well, I think people had tried to develop it as a film. Yeah. I think it... it, it that is one that should be. It's a character that could be CG'd easily. Yeah. And well, what was you, the core story of Concrete? The though? guy is, uh, was he a speechwriter? But he's yes. on a camping trip and he gets abducted by aliens. He and other people. Yeah. And he wakes up and he's in this giant his, concrete body. Yeah. His, bo- his, his consciousness or brain has been moved into another body that's just huge and heavy I think he woke up once and hot in the sense I think he woke up during the alien experimentation and saw his actual body on yeah, someone else I can read those issues it's it's actually one of those one of those interesting ones where a lot of comics would have drawn the mystery out a lot longer than they did and they didn't one. and it became it was almost that was his origin that was it and yeah. it had nothing to do with what's going on and he becomes kind of an ecological activist mm. and explorer he can he, yeah because he can and, go anywhere he also goes he, – he basically goes out and does whatever he needs to be done that he's fitted, fit to do, like rescue operations at the bottom of the ocean or you – know, yeah. Oh, he can breathe underwater? He doesn't have to breathe. Oh. Um, he – in fact, there's does a – Does he poop? There, no, he doesn't. Because everybody poops. Um, no, there's this, There's this not long concrete. thing where, huh. where he's – they're adrift in a boat. And, I remember that, yeah. And his internal fluids – are, are warm enough that he they catch fish and they can cook him cook them in his mouth. He just fills his mouth yeah. full of water and they cook the fish. It, it's it's a incredible. So they eat it afterwards. Yes. After well, he the, the saliva's who, all over it. The yes. people who oh, okay. are are adrift with him. He keeps them alive. And it's what's amazing about this is you say okay he's made of concrete and you go well Ben Grimm's made of concrete and he just walks around everywhere. This guy has to live in a house with reinforced floors because if they're yeah. not, he'll just go crashing through them. He has to. So sit. how does he fit in a boat? He has to. Well, it's a big, Uh-oh. big life raft. Um, life raft. He, he has to sit. I don't. Okay. He has to sit in this huge chair that's made out of cinder blocks because yeah. he can't sit in anything else. And and so he's got this whole environment made up for him. Well, the creator, so, Paul Chadwick, really thought it it's through. It's just an amazing story. I'm really looking forward to uh, the motion comic coming out this week on Geek and Sundry. I should mention in the movie, television, and now stage crossover thing, the Tony Award nominations were uh, made this week. Did you notice the interesting thing? I didn't see it at all. Okay, well, Spider-Man. Spider-Man? We got uh, best scene design, best scenic design, and I believe uh, a, a nod for best lighting. Okay. But the weird thing that I picked up and I haven't seen anybody notice is that the guy starring in Amazing Spider-Man got a Tony nomination for appearing in Death of a Salesman. 
So, Say what? So Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. So Spider-Man was, gets no acting or best musical nods, and yet the guy playing Spider-Man in the movie. In the movie. Got a Tony nomination. So, well, that's uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so uh, just cool. Just a little acknowledgement, Mr. Garfield. We respect your immense thespic talent. Yes. Either that, or the Tonys are just expecting him to be like a huge star because of Spider-Man, and if they put him on their show by giving him a nomination, no, no, he'll get ratings. What I've heard <laughs> is this death of a sale. Philip Seymour Hoffman playing uh, Willie Loman, and I think Andrew Garfield plays Biff, and uh, I think it could have been. What was we'll his name know. in the social network? Uh, oh, Raul what that, or something. What is that guy's name? Yeah. Uh, real person. Felipe yeah. or something. He had like a. He had a he's, uh, South American. American. He's right. South American. The real yeah. guy is, is South American. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Anyways, just curious. He was very good in that movie. Man, no, that was, was my favorite part of the whole movie. Social yeah. network was awesome. Yep. Um, uh, TV. TV. You wanted to mention Young Justice. Young Justice Invasion, which is the second season. Um, which bridges off, I guess the or the I didn't watch the first season all the way through, but apparently the last episode of that or the first of this one, there was a Vandal Savage storyline where a number of the heroes, the heavy hitting Justice League heroes, were went missing for a period of time, and they don't know what happened with them. And while that when that mystery is discussed in the storyline, all of a sudden we go five years into the future and we've got a new young justice team that's almost on par with the jail uh, the justice league although they've decided they don't want to actually join the justice league they're keeping themselves separate mm-hmm. from it and we inter- they introduce a what's going to be a long arc of a of an alien invasion of earth that's not unlike the scroll invasion the first thing that happens there's a bit of misdirection with a Lobo appearance on Earth, and Lobo's mm-hmm. tracking down somebody. And first we think he's trying to do damage to a human, but it turns out he's after the alien inside the human. And, and so that's create, uh, Young Justice is being guided by Greg Weissman, who created Gargoyles and uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. Um, yeah, I've been impressed. I, I, this is a series that now I feel like I need to go back and I watch definitely the whole have thing. To go back I missed and watch episodes, but I watch them with my a son. A lot of it's online on demand too. So, oh, cool! Uh, so I'll be catching that. I've, I've, there have been a couple Saturday mornings where I've turned it on or whatever and watched it, and I've been surprised. I've been how much I liked it. It's been really good. Well, yes. I was just saying. I think I said to both of you guys individually. What I discovered this weekend and thought was really cool was that Icon and Rocket, yeah, were in there. That Milestone characters have made it in there. With no comment, you know, it's just they're there, they're well, they're portrayed well, and all the characterizations. And are Plastic really Man good. is in there. You didn't tell me Plastic Man was in that show. I miss Plastic Man. Yeah. Wait, he, but he's on the Justice League, right? So oh, yeah, that no, means Baby Plast is on Young Justice, yeah, right? Sure. Offspring. No, no, no. Offspring. He'll always be Baby Plast. No, he sucks. He'll, he's Offspring. Oh, he's in that little those little vignette things they do between the episodes. Mr. Wade, if you're listening. Offspring, we love him. No, Offspring was the Kingdom Come version that Mark Wade created, and Baby Plas <laughs> is the one we all know and accept. No. Mm-hmm. But anyway, highly recommend. Yeah, and then we noticed uh, it's just a quick thing of gaming because I don't know if either of us have had a chance to play at all. Mm-hmm. I can say actually, I know I haven't, but I've looked at it briefly. Is that uh, on the i iPod and iPad? I devices. I devices. The iPod Touch. Isn't it the same thing as an iPod? No. Oh. I, I, iPad, iPhone, iPhone and iPod, iPod Touch. Touch. Okay. Uh, there is a Captain America uh, Sentinel of Liberty game and a Mighty Thor game. 
uh, to down or app, if you will, to yeah. download uh, for the next couple of days. Still at ninety nine cents, as well as Marvel vs. Capcom two is available for uh, the iOS. The nice thing that I, that looking at those two apps that the, they doesn't uh, if, when I heard they came out at the same time, I think oh they use the same engine. They just kind of pasted the theme over it. But Thor is actually like a three quarter behind adventure point of view and cap is a 3d side scroller okay. so uh different types of games for different types so of hopefully gamers. this weekend we'll get it we'll both get a chance to play that individually actually i was going to sick shang chi on it and see sick shang chi on it please do yes yeah. would love to do love to see that i'm going to try playing it uh but i did play a little of marvel versus capcom 2 uh gave it to my son as well on his iPod Touch, yep. so we uh, you can Bluetooth sync can up. Can you? That's cool. You can Bluetooth sync up and play each other, and that was awesome. Very Thank you, cool. Apple. Thank you. How much was the Marvel vs. Capcom? It's two ninety nine until Saturday, oh. and then it will go up to four ninety nine. Well, I better get this podcast out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and it's decent. I mean, I'm, I was not a player of the game, but I have three on PS three, uh-huh. and you know, I I thought it was it was fun. And, uh, you know, I just like to have that fighting game with my son. Uh, and so, <laughs> thank you. How's that sound again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, that's all. Oh, we're going to lose Lon. And uh, so, I can see him. Not what? Lot. No, fine. Oh, my gosh. It's like it's like a snuggly Jawa over there. Mm, it's just cold look at in him. here. It's so, so cuddly. Mm, so warm. So uh-huh. Uh, something's wrong, in fact, with my iOS. I just did the weather check, and it says it's 19 degrees in here. That can't be right. You're still in Britain. No, I'm not. I did not go to a Celsius option. I don't <laughs> care what Nate says. Anyway, if you'd like to send us coal or kindling, start a fire <laughs> so we can survive, uh, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Banging the rocks together. Or sandpaper at fanboyplanet.com. Until next week, I am Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief at fanboyplanet.com, and I will be again, but that's who I am now. Uh, I'm uh, Lon uh, Freezing My Bloop Off yes. Lopez. And uh, editor of moronlife.com. Let's yes. not forget that because you, we are about to see a renaissance up. of that show. Going to bring it back, baby. Yes. All yeah. right. Bring it back. I look forward to your work, Lon. Thank and you. I'm normally warm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use your powers only for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com.